Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Have you ever gone on vacation and had such a good time that you wished it would never end? In today's Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. reminds you that oftentimes the reason life isn't going so well is because God wants you to look forward to Jesus coming. If everything was perfect here, would you still want to be raptured? Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on July 23rd. 2023. This church is a very interesting church because it's the one letter written to this one church where Jesus connects the dots of what He's writing to them in their situation at that time to the rapture at the end of time. What do you mean? Well, listen to verse 10. He says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. We've talked about that. That's a command to endure patiently. And by the way, you want it to be a command because the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. And when it rises to the level of being a command, God will never command us to do anything without also enabling us to do that which He's commanded us to do. So that's why we want it to be a command. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you, listen, from the hour of trial or tribulation, same word in the original, that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That is the seven year tribulation. I'm going to keep you from that, take you out before that, and I'm going to keep you from that because you have kept my word. And then he says this, ah, let me have this one, okay, verse 11. I am coming soon. Quickly, some of your translations render it. Tacos in the Greek, where we get our English word for the tachometers in our car. In other words, Jesus is saying that I'm coming at a time when things are revving up, redlining. You know, guys, car guys, you get past that baby 6,000 RPMs, on the tachometer, tacos, and you rev it up, you go too far past that, the engine going to blow up. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. It's past the red line, and it's revving up, and instead of blowing up, you're going up. That's another t-shirt right there. <laughs> Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. In First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 we're told very specifically that the men of Issachar were not only the ones who both understood and discerned the times that they were living in, but 
they also knew what Israel should do. Why bring this verse up? Because they discerned, they understood, hey, do you know what times we're living in? And they said it just like that too, with excitement. Not only did they understand it and discern it, the times they were living in, but they knew what they needed to do. Enter Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 13, where Paul basically echoes the same thing. And he says, do this. You want to know what to do? Do this, understanding the present time. You want to be like the men of Issachar, who really understand, hey, this is it. What am I to do? Oh, do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, your spiritual slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. And then in verse 12 and 13, he says something actually quite stunning, if I can say it like that. Because again, he's writing to the church in Rome, and you would almost get the impression that he's talking about not Christians, but apparently he was. Because he says, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in daytime, and I'm sorry, but it's right here, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Translated, if you really understood and discerned the time in which you were living and knew what to do, it would look like this. This is what it will be like. In the church, you have no idea. You have no idea. Second Thessalonians 2, we're getting there. Hang in there. Again, another passage, powerful prophecy, very specific prophecy in God's Word. I just want to take verses 9 through 12. The coming of the lawless one, speaking of the Antichrist, will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because, now we're talking about those who are not saved, they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Now, what's your point, Pastor? Well, in this prophecy, he says this working of the Antichrist is already at work. But the restrainer is restraining, because that's what the restrainer does, is it restrains. He restrains. That's deeply profound, I know. He's sustaining the righteous while simultaneously restraining the evil. But once the church is removed, whew, but the point is, is that it's already at work. It's already happening. 
I truly do not know if it's possible to overstate just how important this one prophetic indicator is as it relates to our last day's trials. And here's why. What Paul writes about here, this coming of the Antichrist being in accordance with the work of Satan, which is already at work, is the indicator that this is the time of the end, because the prophecy is about the time of the end. This is the indicator that the closer we're getting, the worse evil is getting. Is evil getting worse? So bad is the evil getting that God sends a powerful delusion, a strong deception, and gives them over, because God's never going to force His will on anyone. Read Romans 1. The Spirit of God is not going to strive with man forever. There comes a time where God says, okay, your mind is made up, your heart is hardened, your fate is sealed, I can't force you, I'll just give you over to your own will, your own choice. You want to live in this way and do these things and be deceived, then I'm going to give you over to your deception. You've made your choice. You've sealed your fate. And this is an indicator of the time of the end. Of everything that comes packaged with all of the above, is that of both painful trials and severe affliction. You know, I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but I've been doing these weekly prophecy updates for well nigh 17 years now. I started in the year 2006. YouTube started up in 2008, and that was back in the day when you could only put 10 minute videos. And then here you got this long-winded preacher. So we had, you know, one video had to be in like 38 parts, because it was limited to, you know, to a 10 minute length. That was 2008, but we have been doing these updates for well nigh 17 years. Now why do I point that out? Because 17 years later, <laughs> are you kidding me? How much has changed? But again, a prophecy update becomes just more information in the context of Bible prophecy related to global developments and current events. And the problem is, is that if you're struggling with serious life and death issues, there's a disconnect that takes place almost by default. I mean, Bible prophecy can be exciting and revealing how close we are to the rapture, but how about those that are just trying to survive until the rapture? I think of how many people that have to work two to three jobs just to survive, just to even afford to put food in the fridge, and it's getting worse. Then there's the stress of a single parent who 
who struggles day in, day out. I mean, they're trying to raise their children. They got to get a job, then they got to keep that job, and then they got to make ends meet. And they're doing this all alone. And this after the pain of what was likely a horrible and bitter divorce, leaving its scars indelibly etched on the hearts and minds of those precious children. The list of struggles and trials is seemingly endless when you consider just even how many people are dealing with chronic pain and illness. I mean, it's reached levels previously unknown, which is why we have these off-the-charts deaths due to these opioids. And then you add to this the horrendous marriage and financial struggles. And then pile on top of that the escalating problems with children, this generation, even grandchildren. What I know we've talked about this, and I'll just mention it quickly, but can you even begin to imagine what this generation is dealing with? At my age, there's not that much of a generation gap. But I would have never dreamed in a million years that I would have to deal with the kind of stuff that my 16-year-old daughter has to deal with. I'm talking to her about stuff that you would have never imagined you would talk to your 16-year-old daughter about. Well, I'm sure you know I could go on and on talking about all the areas in the life of a Christian that seemingly worsen with each passing day. Are you depressed? <laughs> it's depressing, right? Well, the fact that things are getting so bad is actually good, because it's actually God. And if you'll hear me out, I'll explain how I get there. Please think this through with me. If things were only always good here on earth, wouldn't we have little to no interest in our final destiny of heaven? Let's be honest. I got to share it, why not? Can I? <laughs> I'm in high school, I'm a teacher's kid. My dad in high school made me call him Mr. Frog. As you can tell, I'm still bitter. <laughs> so as a teacher's kid, and my kids, those poor kids, pastor's kids, even worse, infinitely worse. But I was the teacher's kid, and so I was rebellious. And this is before I got saved. I didn't get saved till age 19 after graduation. I think God just looked down and said, man, that kid needs to get saved. Get down there. Hurry up. He's going to destroy himself. And I was. So here I am in high school, and I accidentally made it on the honor roll. I made sure that never happened again. That's how rebellious I was. Well, my friend and I, we both got suspended. I think actually I got him suspended, and almost expelled our senior year from high school. And um, we were threatened with not being able to graduate and walk. 
And I did graduate, just so you know, barely, by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I did graduate high school. But I hated high school. Please, uh, you young people, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say here, okay? So I had this one teacher, Mrs. Daniels, bless her heart, not a Christian by the way, took me aside one day, and she proceeded to tell me something that I to this day have never forgotten. She said, you know how it is that there are those who, even after graduation, they kind of still live in the glory days of high school. And it surely doesn't help when you have the teacher in high school saying, hey, enjoy this now. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, this is it? This is as good as it gets. Yeah, enjoy high school. Enjoy your high school years, because after you graduate, you're going to go into the real world. This is as good as it gets. I'm thinking, <laughs> no wonder. It was already bad. You just made it worse, telling me this is as good as it gets. I now have no hope. I'm sorry, I went off a little bit too far on that, but I think you get the point. So she pulls me aside. She says, you know, you know who I'm talking about, right? I said, yeah, I think I do. You know, they're the ones that still try to fit in their letterman's jacket. It's okay. They still got their class ring. They still live at home. They still got all their trophies. And they just never move on, because apparently that was the happiest time of their life in high school. And for them, graduation was like, you know, everybody, I'm just sharing very openly, maybe it's uncomfortable for some, but build a bridge and get over it. You know what I wanted for our high school model? You know how they always say, there's all the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know, the future is filled with bright promises of, you know, tomorrow. Blah, blah, blah. You know, mine was, true story, I wanted it to be we have come out of our coma to receive our diploma. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I couldn't wait to graduate. I wanted out of there. I couldn't wait. So she pulls me aside and she says, isn't it interesting? You've had it kind of rough. She says, yeah, I have. And I know that you're a teacher's kid. And I know you don't like it here. Makes you want graduation all the more, right? If it was really good for you in your high school years, you wouldn't want to graduate and leave. You see where I'm going? Hey, when things are good here, too good down here, we really don't want to graduate to our final destination up there. Could it be? Could it be? But that trial that you're in, it's not for now in the temporal, it's preparing you for your entrance into the eternal. Did you get that? In other words, unless and until things get so bad down here, I'm not going to long for the rapture to go up there. Don't you think God knows that? 
Oh, he's a little comfortable. It's been said that God comforts the afflicted, but so too does God afflict the comfortable. And I'm convinced, and I've experienced in my own life, that when we get too comfortable down here in this world, not our home, this world that we've long ago overstayed our welcome. And here God is preparing a place for us in heaven, and He's coming for us soon. And we're just a little bit, you know, it's kind of like, Lord, come soon. Lord, come whenever. No, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. Maybe that's why our trials are prophetic indicators. Maybe that's why, if I could pose this question this way, could it be that God is allowing that fiery trial in your life that's now become humanly impossible for this very reason? He's loosening your ever-tightening grip on this world so that you're ready for when the trumpet sounds. Would you agree at the very least the trials of this life in the Christian's life have the much needed effect of letting go of this life? If so, then viewing your painful trial through the lens of a heavenly perspective yet future will make it more bearable in the present. When you have the rapture to look forward to, it makes whatever you're going through easier to get through. If not, then it could be an indicator that you're not looking for watching, longing for the rapture, because maybe it's still pretty good right now for you. Man, you just got a promotion. You just bought that brand new Mercedes Benz. I don't want to know what your monthly payments are. These are pretty good right now. Hmm. Will you allow me to provide you with a list of what's now happening to both convince you and warn you that even though things may be okay for you to hold on very loosely, I do so with the hope that you might reconsider the lateness of the hour and change your mind so God in turn can change your heart. And I say that last statement because I have experienced in my own personal experience in talking with Christians, genuinely wanting to know why they're not excited about the rapture, I have come to the unfortunate conclusion that they don't recognize or understand or discern the lateness of the hour and the times that we're living in. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing. And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn 
about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth.